It's time to get up and get your day started. Morant. Oh! A jawbreaker! It's Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. The first hour of Sports 56 Mornings is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Now, here are your hosts, Greg and Eli. Get up every morning Well, two seasons came to an abrupt end last night at about the same time. Pretty much on that same timeline. The college football season wrapped up last night with Michigan winning the national championship, going undefeated in the process, knocking off Washington. And again, at about the same time, the Grizzlies season came to an end with the news of the John Morant injury. We are here to talk about those two topics and much, much more as we welcome you into Sports 56 Mornings on this Tuesday, January 9th, 2024. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you. We are in the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, their floor model sale continues. Check them out at 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. And the first hour of the program is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware. Currently cloudy with some light rain, 47 degrees. It's going to be an overcast day, and there will be showers very windy. It's already windy and will continue throughout the day. High of 40, 47. Basically, we're at the high. This is about as high as it's going to get today. And then tonight, cloudy skies, followed by some partial clearing with a low of 30. Tomorrow, the sun will shine, but boy, there is some cold forecasted days for next week and even some snow for the holiday next Monday. On the program today, Connor O'Gara joins us from Saturday down south at 725 to put a bow on the college football season, to wrap up the national championship game. Of course, we'll talk to Connor throughout the year. Jeff Crane at 825, University of Memphis Deputy AD. Today's a big day because today the Memphis City Council will meet and hopefully we'll approve the minutes from last time out. And that means the changeover of Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium from the city to the University of Memphis. At 9.05, our weekly Rhodes segment, Zoe Goodson will join us, the head coach of the Rhodes men's basketball team. And then at 9.25, Drew Hill from the Daily Memphian on the Grizzlies, on the John Morant News. That's all coming up on the program today. We'll also have Humdinger's Trivia. That'll come your way at approximately 8.05 to kick off our number two. Good morning. Good morning. What a night. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a night. It was a night. <laughs> it was certainly a night. Um, yeah, I mean, all set to start today, begin with the national championship game, the Michigan win, but no, here comes the news that I don't think anybody expected. Once they heard that he, meaning John Moran had a sore shoulder, I don't think anybody thought that the news subsequently would be he's out for the season. But the official word came down from the Grizzlies last night announcing that the Grizzlies, giving their medical update on John Morant, at Saturday's training session, Morant suffered a, what is it called? A sub, sublux, subluxation, I subluxation of the right shoulder, that's the medical term, following ongoing soreness and instability. Morant underwent an MRI that revealed an underlying lateral tear. Morant will undergo season-ending surgery and is expected to make a full recovery ahead of the 24-25 season. And then the depression sunk in. Yeah, it's, um, you know, a lot of people point out, like the other night when he was in the sling, you're kind of like, wow, man. They list him as questionable with shoulder soreness, and now he's in a sling on the bench. But I like, oh, what up? Does he his shoulder sore? They don't want him moving it around too much, so he's in a sling. Like I did, I never, never imagined that the next update was going to be done for the year. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, it, it's it it sucks. It's a the, gut punch. That's it sucks what it is. That the season's over. Yes, um, on January 9th. Like it's. You know, granted they got a nice win the other night without him, but they're I mean, they're they're not making some great charge without John ja Morant. Um, 
And it just... Um, yeah, we do remember the first 25 games of the season. It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> well, they're better now without him than they were They are, then. and they but, played great the other night without him, but come on. But they're, I, they're, there's no way they can win enough games to get into the playoff, uh, Chase. It's just... I it, it's just it's just awful. I mean, nine games. He had a nine game season, and I don't know. You know, I, I I have no idea what the Grizzlies have done to the basketball gods, but goodness gracious, I hope uh, they are just getting it all out of their system this year, and starting next year, maybe the Grizzlies can have a a clean slate with the gods. And they'll actually allow them to be healthy a little bit. I mean, it just wow. That is a um, that was not the news uh, that uh, that we needed last night. Yeah, it comes in bunches, doesn't it? When it rains, it pours. Any uh, cliche you want to use, it's just unfortunately the situation with the Grizzlies. And you're absolutely right. When I saw the photo, it was either video or photo or a photo. I forget which one it was of him in the sling. I thought for my for a second there. Wait a minute, they're talking about soreness. I almost, in fact, I almost tweeted that like a joke, and I'm glad I didn't. Uh, it's it's just sore. And then you see a sling, and you go, "Why is he in a sling?" But he had a big smile on his face. I didn't think anything of it. I don't think anybody thought anything of it. And then all of a sudden, you get this news. Well, the funny thing was the on the, and I I don't know if it was the first time or ever on the game the other night they showed him on the bench. It might have been the first time they showed him when they were first trying to talk about it. And as soon as they show him, he's like rubbing his shoulder. <laughs> like he looked like he was in a lot of pain. And I'm like, oh, that thing looks like it's really hurting. Again, never imagine, boy, he's not going to play again this year. Like I just, that was never a, you know, I mean, they listened to him. He wasn't even listed as out. He was listed as questionable originally with shoulder soreness. We've seen the Grizzlies list a lot of people with soreness. Hell, normally when they're listed as questionable with soreness, they play the game. Right. <laughs> Never thought it meant he's done for the year. Uh, it's Zach, you okay? You all right? Yeah. You okay? Yeah. Well, I had, I had a little procedure of my own, but I'm 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 here. <laughs> you're you're still you're not out for the year. No, no. You're okay. That's good. So uh, Kevin O'Connor, a lot of people, obviously, uh, national writers have commented on this situation. Kevin O'Connor wrote. This John Morant news is obviously a bummer, but the one silver lining is the Grizzlies will get a lottery pick. Currently, they have the sixth best odds. Granted, the top of this class is weak in comparison to recent ones. There are always all-stars to be found. The better the pick, the more value Memphis will have for deals to bolster the roster moving forward. Additionally, Memphis will get a full season of giving heavy usage to Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson. They can improve from the opportunity, but yes, the news really sucks. Well, the last thing I want to hear is... Heavy usage of Jaron Jackson and Desmond Bain. Well, there's that's only I know only but, choice to have. Well, you know what? They ain't going anywhere. I would I would rather see minimal usage. Uh God forbid you get those guys run down and hurt. I I, I just don't know. It's it, it goes back to what I've always said. You gotta seize the moment, right? You never know what's gonna happen in the future. I mean, I'm a broken record saying that. Say it. You got to take advantage when they had a chance to take advantage of it. And then it all came crumbling down last year when they had an opportunity in the postseason. Obviously, the year prior to that, they had a great opportunity. And then the injuries, the suspension, they're just piling on with this unfortunate news for the Grizzlies. Oh, by the way, tonight they're in Dallas and John Moran obviously done for the season. Jaron Jackson Jr. questionable with a knee, knee contusion, whatever that is, and then Santi Aldama, doubtful, with the knee, same type of knee injury. So here we go. The hits just keep on coming. Might be a big GG Jackson night tonight in Dallas. Um, well, the and the first point they made, that that's part of the, like, yes, they will get a lottery pick now. Um, but yeah, this draft is not, not looked at as some great draft. Uh, there, there is a bunch of elite stars at the top of it. And now, oh, granted, there will be some really good players that come out of this draft, but it, it, it seems as though they'll be harder to find than normal. Um, and we'll see where, where, the, you know, where they end up in all of this. But 
Yeah, it's just, it's just depressing um, when, you know, because even the Phoenix game, too, provided, like, even that bit more of excitement. Like, these yes. last two games kind of were the most excitement you got all year because it's like, okay, even without Ja, they went and won a game in Phoenix. And Marcus Smart has now kind of turned the corner. He's knocking down threes. Like, you're starting to see what the whole team, with what they have available, can be when healthy. You've got Marcus Smart doing, playing offense and knocking down threes. Jaron just dominant in two straight games. Desmond continuing to do his thing. Now we get, it's, it's all coming together. Like, here we go. It's all coming together. And then just the basketball gods wind up and just kick you right square in the you-know-whats. And, and you don't you don't think they're going to make a move now, right, with this news? Well, they have to make a move. Well, they got to do something with Vince Williams when he gets to 50, but uh, but as far as making some trade for a center and all that talk, I mean, I, I don't see that happening. I guess it still could. And then as far as the draft is concerned, like you said, the guys who – and gals who do this for a living don't think it's it's that strong a draft. But do you have a lot of confidence right now in Zach Kleiman and company? The last three, two or three picks have been bad. Now, they, they hit a home run with Desmond Bain, and John Morant was a gift on a silver platter, so that doesn't even count. But they did a good job of Brandon Clark originally. I guess I don't even know if that was Kleiman. Was mm-hmm. it Kleiman? Okay. Child's draft. Okay, so, oh gosh, it seems like Brandon Clark's been around 20 years. But... Give them credit for what they did early. Really, really, really good. And then lately, it's been really bad. So maybe it evens, it's evened out, and maybe they're back on a positive trajectory, and they could do something in the draft. But that's the last thing I, I, I wanted to think about was, oh, yeah, the Grizzlies add another young player to the mix. Well, the thing, it, if, if the draft was better, that pick just becomes more valuable. And if they wanted to, if you want to trade the pick, use it in a trade to get somebody. It would be better if this was a good draft, uh, considered a really good draft. It's, it's just not. Um, maybe you're going to get really lucky in the lottery and move up and somebody wants that pick. They've got somebody full. Because I, for the Grizzlies, ideally, um, that pick would be used in a trade and go get a piece uh, that kind of fits the timeline of this team. Because now you're, as, you're kind of into that timeline where you really, it's time to go. Um, so we'll see what happens, what they're able to do. But yeah, I, I don't, I mean, the rest of the season, you pretty much, I would think just treat it as you find out a little bit more about the guys you have, who are pieces you want to move forward with, who are pieces you don't really want to move forward with, you know, guys like what you assess, what is Zaire? Like, is he a part of the future or not a part of the future? Um, what is Vince Williams' role going forward? Um, again, at some point, you got to make the decision. Um, you got to get him under a regular contract. Although, well, I guess the 50 games, I'll say, if you don't raise the 50, you don't have to worry about needing him for the playoffs. So you don't have to get him on a regular contract right. for the playoffs. Um, but yeah, you, it, now it becomes, this is all kind of a assessment of what do we have? Who are the pieces? And figure things out and know what we have more going into the offseason. And from everything I've read with this labrum tear, it's not a real serious injury. It's enough to keep you out, but it's not a real serious injury that is career-threatening or anything like that. However, you start to worry about the wear and tear of John Morant as he plays with reckless abandon. That's who he is, and we would not like to see anything else. We want to see that John Morant style, flying through the air, dunking over guys, contorting the body in all different angles. But there is part of my you know, mind thinking going forward, is that going to be an issue with a guy who's as slender and small as Jock? I'm not saying he's not strong. He's strong. But he's not some big hulking guy. And not that the big hulking guys don't get hurt. But I just worry about a guy who's a contortionist, who's a, um, a, a he's a, he's a circus uh, ole guy. I mean, that's who John Moran is. He flies through the air with the greatest of ease, but certainly 
can come up with a lot of these type of injuries moving forward. So that's that's a concern for me as well. But for this year, it has just been a a kick in the you know what, like you said. The um, yeah, it's again. I will say this though, when he came back and talked about it, the thought was. You know, in the last year, they had won two out of every three games he plays. If you could do that, you get the bonus. They did win two out of every three games he played this season. Oh, I was feeling pretty good with the way they played in Los Angeles and Phoenix. I wasn't feeling good going into the road trip, but after watching what they did the first two games, the second one being without Ja, I started to think, yeah, maybe they have figured this thing out. Marcus Smart, as you talked about, seemed to uh, have caught fire now offensively to go along with what he brings to the table defensively. Desmond Bain having an all-star type year. Jaron Jackson Jr. being the more aggressive Jaron Jackson Jr. A guy now getting rebounds all of a sudden. The bench performing much better. Getting healthier. Knock on wood. Well, that didn't work. That didn't work. So I had the feeling, as did I think most people, that you know what? Even though they're 13 and 23, four and a half games out of that 10th spot, maybe, just maybe, they look like a team that can compete with just about everybody. Maybe a few of the of the teams that have those dominant bigs, like a Jokic, you can't. But for the most part, you could compete with everybody else. And then, who knows? Maybe they'll make a move for a center at the trade. De- something will... And then this happens. So that's where we are. You know, some other it's unfortunate. Some, some people have pointed out on Twitter. You, hopefully, this plays out like the Nuggets. They had the year without Jamal Murray, gave him a chance to kind of assess a lot of things of other guys and what they needed on that team. Who was part of the future? Who wasn't a part of the future? And then Jamal Murray Keynes comes back, boom, win a championship. So. Hopefully the Grizzlies can use this time as wisely as the Denver Nuggets did. Is is part of that assessment the head coach? I like Taylor. Well, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think don't, they should make a move. I don't but, know how you assess him right. now with well with with your you know you're without two starters for the rest of the season. You basically played an entire season without two starters. But that's what I said about the first twenty five games, and there was people saying, Oh, they should fire the coach. And I'm like, don't look at that record without John Morant. Don't, people well, I mean some people but Part of the, a lot of the criticism Taylor Jenkins has come since John Morant was back. It was the performances like Toronto and others. That was when people really were starting to think that, yeah, it, if this goes bad, then you might have to get rid of Taylor Jenkins. Yeah, but just when they started to get going, this happened. So, again, you you can't measure, in my opinion. I mean, the front office can do whatever they want. But I, I don't think it would be fair, and I don't think they're going to do anything. I, I think Taylor Jenkins will be the coach next season. I don't think there's any question in my mind, and I think he should be. The coach. I think he's a really good coach. I know people have issues sometimes with rotation. We talk about that on the show, and others have talked about other things that he does. But I think he's a really damn good coach, and I, I think it would be unfair uh, to to put the blame on him. This this blame. Look, John Morant directly affected this team by his actions, and now something that he couldn't help gets hurt has also affected him. Stephen Adams and that whole debacle with the organization. That whole debacle all summer long, the mystery of Stephen Adams, who's somewhere, I would assume, in New Zealand. So it's been bad since last year, since the first suspension, since the injury to Adams, and now it just continues. All right, we'll we'll talk a lot more about this huge story, the loss of John Morant for the season as we progress today. Drew Hill, again from the Daily Memphian, will join us at 925. It was almost a... uh... It, really, the last few days around the NBA, some tough going. I mean, it looked last night. Tyrese, like Tyrese Halliburton. Halliburton. He's got better flexibility than I do if that wasn't a serious injury. Because I, I almost hurt myself watching him go down. There were parts of my body popping and cracking just watching that. Kate Cunningham yes. got hurt the other day. Like, there's going to be okay. There, there, is, there are point guards going down across the NBA and uh, unfortunately, the Grizzlies end up with the worst of it. And again, we we don't we didn't see this one with Ja, right? Again, it happened in training on Saturday. Whereas the Halliburton injury, the Cunningham injury, and others happen in games, and you can go back and see. And I hate to look at injuries, but at least for Halliburton, it doesn't look as bad as what was first thought. Cunningham looks like he will be okay. 
Couple of notes real quick, and then we'll take a break. Come back with Connor O'Gara. Obviously, Michigan winning the national championship last night, 34-13. to We will talk about that. Uh, Michigan just physically whipped up on Washington. There's no other way to put it. The defensive line crushed the Washington O-line. So that really put a lot of pressure on Michael Penix, and he, and he struggled. Penix went 27-51, 255, a touchdown, couple of interceptions. He was missing targets left and right. I thought he was a little bit skittish with the attack, with the rush by Michigan. And boy, Michigan, best tackling team I've seen all year long, the most physical team I've seen all year long, and that also goes into play when, it look, when you look at their offense. Uh, they didn't need J.J. McCarthy to throw the ball. All they had to do was hand the ball off to Donovan Edwards or Blake Corum. The rushing attack, 303 yards and three touchdowns. So the things that we thought could happen, the things I was hoping that would not happen because I picked Washington, uh, did. And you picked Michigan. And for those who picked Michigan, congratulations. As they go throughout, they go through the season undefeated, the only undefeated team. Obviously, the whole scandal with the sign stealing and Jim Harbaugh and all that stuff that's going to be talked about every time you mention this Michigan championship but no question about it on the field they were the best team they are just uh they're dominant up front on both sides of the ball um they everybody talks about winning in the trenches that team wins in the trenches offensive line is just and that's in without their best offensive lineman that's their offensive line um, it was just dominant. And then defensively, um, they're they're hard to block. <laughs> Alabama found it out. Washington found it out. And yeah, this is obviously there's a much bigger sample size and all of that. Um, but as far as a kind of a final resume tape for the draft for Michael Penix, last night was not a good one. <laughs> That was that was bad. I still I still love him. I still think he's going to be a very good NFL quarterback in in the right organization. But yeah, I did not like. Not that he had happy feet and was running around. He stayed in the pocket. He's a tough kid. He was just missing. He was rushing passes, and if he clicked on some of those early passes, who knows? Maybe the game would have come out a little bit different. But I, I think in the end, Michigan just too much physicality, and I think they still would have won that football game, but it probably would have been a little bit tighter. By the way, Georgia opens up as the betting favorite for next season at 17-4, to followed by Alabama at 6-1, to Ohio State 8-1, to Michigan 9-1, to Texas 9-1, to Oregon 12-1, to Ole Miss 14 to 1 to win it all, LSU 15 to 1. And it is official. Quinshawn Juckins, the former Ole Miss running back, is going to play for Ohio State. What it all means for Dallin Hayden, I was talking to uh, my son in law, who's a huge Ohio State fan. He said, listen, you know, they still got to make some decisions on, on some other running backs, but Ohio State is definitely a two to three running back team. So. It could easily see Judkins and Hayden being the one-two punch and going for big yards for Ohio State. The problem is if they give him the runaround again, uh, I, don't, I don't think after next season, Dallin would, would still remain at Ohio State. He needs to be given his opportunity. I think he's a hell of a running back, but so is Quinshawn Judkins. And again, he's headed to uh, Columbus, Ohio. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, more on the national championship game, more on college football with Connor O'Gara. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back everyone. 7.27 is the time just underway on this Tuesday edition of Sports 56 Mornings. Obviously, the big story around here, John Morant out for the season. We talked uh, almost entirely in that first segment about that news, and we'll talk more about it as the show progresses. Drew Hill will join us at 925, Grizzlies beat writer for the Daily Memphian. And then, of course, we talked national championship game last night, Michigan over Washington. More on that topic and more on college football as we do every other week with Connor O'Gara.
It's time to talk some SEC and college football. Joining Greg and Eli is Connor O'Gara from SaturdayDownSouth.com and SaturdayTradition.com. Here's Connor O'Gara with Greg and Eli. He is Connor O'Gara. You can follow him on Twitter at CJ O'Gara. He joins us, as I mentioned, every other week here on the program. Good morning, Connor. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Uh, okay. Fair to Midland, I would say. It's a little I, depressing here in yeah, Memphis these you days. Know, I, yeah. The John News is, is terrible, but I also picked Washington, and I was worried about the physicality. Look, everybody knew the big story within the story of the game would be the offensive line for Washington. Could they protect and give Penix time to make his reads, go through his progressions, and make his throws, and and, and just never materialize? you got to give credit to that Michigan team, their defensive front, their physicality, running the ball. They were the better team during the national champions. They were. If they were going to win that game, that was going to be the key that they were going to be able to take advantage of. And look, I think the Washington offensive line, the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line, is the best in college football. I think that they did a, 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 a mostly decent job against that Michigan front with all the different things that Michigan was doing. But they were going to be overmatched. I mean, that, that is just what Michigan has done time and time again and when you saw the way that they dominated against Alabama uh, to me it wasn't just going to be oh well Michigan's just going to get stopped and they're going to be a totally different team and as great as Penix has been with pocket presence being able to manipulate the pocket and understand his reads and when he doesn't have time to throw I mean he had only been sacked 11 times coming into that game last night you still worried about what it could potentially look like. And Michigan's defense was the story of that game. I still think it was closer to what the final score indicated because it was still a one-score game in the end of the fourth quarter. But, yeah, Michigan did exactly what it set out to do, and that was going to be their blueprint for the jump. Yeah, it's it certainly was closer than what that final score would indicate. I still would like to if if Penix hits the t- the long pass to Adunze on the fourth down play in the first half, I would like to have seen how things would have gone from there. I would have liked to have seen just how things would have gone if they didn't call that holding penalty on right. the long completion to Adunze in the fourth quarter. To me, that changed everything because it was. I think they said on the broadcast like a forty-five yard swing on that yeah. play, mm-hmm. where even Herb Street, who I thought was great last night, Herb Street is like trying to figure out like is that really a hold on the right tackle on Washington? Like I don't know. Let's bring in our rules expert here. And when it's that close, that is a huge swing because then Washington doesn't pick that up, and then when Michigan takes over after Washington has to punt. They get away with a, a, a pretty yeah. egregious hold, I, I thought, on their biggest pass play of the night that sets up their, their touchdown and make it a two-score game. Then, you know, Penix trying to make play on fourth down when he throws that pick. Like, it totally changed the complexion of the game. Now, still, it, they, they needed to be able to hit on more of those chunk plays. Mm-hmm. Like, they, Washington needed that. But still, I, I thought that that sequence was really, really pivotal and, it went the way of the victors. Well, we, we tweeted back and forth on that, Connor, because I think we were on we were on the same page. It was interesting, and I'm not by any stretch of the imagination blaming officials. Michigan won this game fair and square. Now, whether or not they should be national champions, because it's I guess you're 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 uh, still on the fence, uh, Eli. I know about whether they won the I'm national not on the championship. Fence. I don't believe they should play. Okay, you're you're <laughs> off the fence. You're on the other side. But anyway, the point I, I was going to make was. There were so many different plays last night where offensive linemen on both sides were grabbing jerseys and holding on, and even defensive backs grabbing jerseys. They never threw the flag on on the holding of the jersey, but then they dropped the flag on the play that you alluded to, Connor, which to me was uh, was was contact and then let go. I I don't know why they called it on that play, but I didn't understand why. Okay, I guess they were consistent that they weren't calling the grab, but that's a hold, and that was going on throughout the game. Yeah, and if you don't like it to be called, then tell the players to stop holding. That's the way this works. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, look, I, I, and I'm not that guy, and I didn't have a dog in fight necessarily, although uh, as I tweeted before the game, I was going to claim that as a national championship for my alma mater, Indiana, if Michael Penning and Caleb Gore <laughs> had done it. Why not, right? <laughs> you know what? That's, that's about as close as I is going to get, um, maybe in either basketball or football with the way that things have played out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it is a shame that, that it, it felt, as I was talking about with Zach, like it felt just anticlimactic. You know, it felt like 
where we had this game that got close in the second and third quarter, and then that sequence was just kind of all she wrote. And when it when it goes in favor of Michigan, I mean, the the public is just obviously going to be uh, just not not necessarily sitting there. Uh, sitting on their hands, pretending like everything is fine. The, the topic of Michigan, the asterisk, and everything moving forward is going to be something that dominates conversation. And I don't really know that Michigan cares a whole lot, but I know that the rest of the world does. Yeah, Michigan certainly does does not. Uh, Jim Harbaugh does not talk about how they were innocent. Like, talk about innocent afterwards. Like, what you, you clearly were doing it. Like, you you had a staff member clearly doing this. So, quit saying that you were innocent in this whole thing. But what what's your feeling on Jim Harbaugh? Does he was this his last game at Michigan? As the great Hawk Harrelson would say, he gone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys, like I, I just. I, I look at all the different factors that have got Harbaugh to this point and the amount of work it took over the course of nine years to get to this place wherein he led Michigan to its first unshared, I guess you can call it, national championships, the Harry Truman administration, and what it meant for him to do that at his alma mater and knowing now what's going to be coming, that there are likely going to be more penalties that, that are facing Michigan. And knowing that he has that itch to go back to the NFL, there's no way you're flirting with the NFL after consecutive playoff bursts if you don't still have that part of you that feels like there's this chapter yet that hasn't necessarily been written in the way that you want to. So I, I think he is gone, especially with all these NFL vacancies. It's not going to be a matter of money. He's going to get paid wherever he goes. But I do think that his time at Michigan to walk off as a hero mm-hmm. is I, as crazy as that is for the outside world to hear. I, I think that time is now. Hey, there's no denying the guy's a damn good coach at every level, wherever he's been. But again, this one, you know, a little bit, a little bit tainted in the eyes of many people. How about uh, Sharon Moore? Do you believe he would become the next head coach of Michigan? Yeah, I do. I do, and I think the rest of the college football world should be hoping for that too, because. Man, if, if this coaching carousel spins with an outside hire, it, it is going to seriously spin. And there are going to be a lot of teams who have felt really good about their coaches who are looking up going, oh, man, would they take the Michigan job? Because that, that is truly a place that I think is, is considered a destination job, no doubt about it. Like the, the type of, of program that is going to be able to covet a big time name on the open market if they don't make that internal hire. But I, I don't think you need to deviate from Sharon Moore. Like I, I think that too often times we overthink what what exactly goes into these hires and so so often times it's just about having a leader of men and having someone that, that understands your program that or clearly does. And you saw the way that he took over leading them to wins against Penn State, Maryland, or Ohio State. And that's not to say that everything would be easy just because he did that. But I think that they have their guy internally if Harbaugh does decide to go to the NFL. What do you think? They're losing quite a bit, obviously. But what do you, what do you think about them for next year with what they bring back, and especially if Harbaugh's gone? I think they'll start as a top-five team. Just because when you win a national championship, yeah. you go fifteen and zero. That's just kind of the standard for you. But man, I, I wish I knew about McCarthy because I do feel like if they decided our running back depth is a lot different, we're not going to be able to bully teams with our offensive line the same way that we did. I do think that they could retool that offense a bit to be a bit more friendly to McCarthy. I know last night was he wasn't particularly good. Like he wasn't particularly good throwing the football. I made a couple throws that you're just like, wow, this. The talent is, is there, and I get why people are kind of enamored with him at the next level. But if he comes back, that, that does kind of change things because it's very rare to talk about a national championship team returning the starting quarterback and, and someone that is being considered the best quarterback in Michigan history mm-hmm. by a certain Jim Harbaugh. So I, I do think that kind of is going to, to really determine how high we are in Michigan in the preseason. But they'll be the preseason favorite in the Big Ten despite the fact that Ohio State obviously – just added Will Howard in the transfer portal, and then also going out and getting a Quinchon Judkins. I think that Michigan still deserves to be at the top of that conversation in the Big Ten. I saw someone this morning, and I forget who it was on Twitter, rank the college football playoff champions. So since 2014, when the playoff came into existence, they ranked in order the best teams of those champions. Who would you say are the top one or two 
champions that we've had in the college football four-team playoff era? I think 2019 LSU stands alone. Uh, I'm going to put them ahead of anyone. And then I think that second spot, I would either go, man, that second spot is tough because I think 2018 Clemson and 2021 Georgia would have a really, really good argument. Like, I, I think that's there. And then Michigan's probably not very far behind. I mean, they're, they're not. Like, I, Sorry, but I, I do defer a little bit to going 15-0. and 0. Like, going 15-0, and 0, no Big Ten team had ever done that before. Mm-hmm. And to, to get to that place, I, I would – I would probably say Michigan's in the top half of that conversation. I think, like, 2017 Alabama was a flawed team until Tua comes in in the second half. And, you know, 2016 Clemson, as much as everybody talks about how great that was for that program, so much of it was Deshaun Watson and some really special receivers. Like, I would probably give those 15-0 and teams the benefit of the doubt. But, yeah, 2019 LSU, to me, was the best team of the 14 playoff era. It's hard to argue with what they did. You know, that, the, that offense, just pure numbers wise and everything else, that, that's it's hard to argue against that team. But um, I would, you know, what I'd that. love to see the nineteen LSU team go up against the twenty one Georgia team with that defense. Yep, I would love it. That would be incredible. But here's here's the thing about LSU too, and there's somebody on Twitter that brought this up a while ago, and I'm blanking on who it was, so I apologize for that. But twenty nineteen LSU played what like eight top ten teams. And they never had their opponent have the ball in the fourth quarter with a chance to take the lead against LSU. That is absurd. I mean, that that is the type of thing that I don't know that we'll ever see again in this sport. And everybody talks about Michigan only having one second half deficit all year came against Alabama. To me, that that will stand the test of time of being one of the all-time great championship feats that, that puts LSU just in a different category. I would probably take... 2019 LSU slightly ahead of 2021 Georgia. So you mentioned Ohio State and the pickups. Um, the Quinshawn Judkins move, how much does that help Ohio State along with Will Howard, as you mentioned, and how much does that hurt Ole Miss and all of the momentum they've had this offseason and people really looking at them as a playoff-type team? It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't help that conversation, obviously, and I love Judkins. Like, I, I will sing that guy's praises. I think he's special. I don't think he is just a system back, but Lane just figures it out. Lane just finds a way to figure it out, and I think that's what he's banking on. He had his worst running attack at Ole Miss this past season, and they won 11 games for the first time in program history. 2019, after they lose Devin Singletary at FAU, what did they do? They rattle off an 11-win season, despite the fact that they didn't have a ground game that was that good. Lane will adapt. And he didn't necessarily see that the price is, is worth it. And with how much they've spent in the portal with getting with getting so many of these top flight SEC guys that were available, I kind of get it when you break it down. And they'll find a way, whether it's Lucy Bentley, another, another poor guy, but it's a big-time addition for Ohio State. And if they keep Travion Henderson on board and it's those two in the backfield, I tweeted last night, I think Judkins is the best Ohio State back since Ezekiel Elliott. I think he's even better than a J.K. Dobbins or, or somebody wow. like that. But yeah, I think he is that good. He is that special. But, yeah, it is a huge move and one that we could be talking about in the 12-team playoff. Yeah, and as we move forward and have you on every other week to talk about him, we'll get your thoughts about 2024. And I know the uh, lines have already come out. The early betting favorite is uh, Georgia. No surprise there to win the national championship. But right off the top, you know, off the top of your head, 12-team playoff next year. What teams do you believe, and I won't hold you to it, but what teams do you believe that are switching conferences will make the playoff in the first year? Oh, golly. Um, because so much of that, too, is, is about schedule, which I don't like to break down mm-hmm. early in the season. But a team that I, I think is going to be really buzzy, not quite as buzzy as, as Old Miss, but is changing conferences, Arizona. How about Arizona, the year that they had? had. Oh, man. With with the way that they finished winning seven in a row, a drastically different team than what we saw against Mississippi State when they make the quarterback change to Noah Fafita. Noah Fafita, for my money, might be one of the five best quarterbacks returning all college football. He was that good. And if you look at the way that Washington finished last year and in that exact bowl game, ironically enough, and the way that it set up for this run this year with all the experience they returned, man, I, I think that Jed Fish did a phenomenal job. I have him starting off. My way to really top 25 is going to come out uh, on Sunday on SDS. I believe that's the plan. 
I have them starting off in my top 10 at number 10 in the country. Like, I think they're that good. They could be the team that really benefits from a conference change. What is What team, if any, do you think next year may regret changing conferences? That's a good question. <laughs> is it... <laughs> Is it prisoner of the moment to say Washington? I mean, <laughs> look, I like, it might be I, him. It, it might be. It, it very well might be. Because I, I think Texas and Oklahoma did a lot to show that, that they're ready for this level and will play the results. Even though, you know, Texas A&M and, and Mizzou, what they did in year one wasn't really indicative of the teams that they were in the SEC when they moved over. But maybe Washington um, and Kalen DeBoer, I, I love, and I think he's going to figure things out. Mm-hmm. But I think that they're the team that you're going to look up and be like, oh, man, this is kind of a different style that they're they're having to figure out and play in a different sort of way. And they need to be better in the trenches running the football consistently. I know they didn't have Dylan Johnson healthy in that game last night, but they need to run the football more consistently if they're going to win in some of these cold-weather places. That, that That's just reality for, for a team like Washington. So that, that might be too prisoner in the moment. I'd probably have to think about that more. All right, final thing for you on the lines of you talking about Arizona and they may benefit from that move to the Big 12, and I think you might be right about that. Would you rather be in a situation like Arizona where you go to the Big 12, you got a really good chance to maybe win it all, but it may take winning it all to get into the 12-team playoff. Even with 12 teams, who knows if there's a second from the Big 12, whereas the SEC, everybody's looking at the Big 10 and the SEC going, ah, they're going to get four teams in. Is it more beneficial to be Texas going to the SEC with all that competition or Arizona going to the Big 12? That's a good question. We'll play the results with that. We always do. Um, I'm going to say probably Arizona. I, the thing I question about with, with with a team like Texas or these teams that, that could get in at 9-3 is how banged up they could be going into the postseason. Mm-hmm. And if you're legitimately trying to make a run, you want depth. You need depth that's there. You're going to have less time than ever to be able to, to get ready for the postseason if you're playing in one of those games. And the run that it's going to take to win a national championship, especially if you're not getting that first-round buy as a 9-3 team, I think Texas would have the, 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 the more difficult climb to get there because if you just tell me, like, hey, you know what, Arizona's just got to go 10-2, and just get to a Big 12 championship and they'll be in – to me, that's a little bit more favorable than having to deal with the schedule that Texas has. All new opponents that, that have been on that national championship stage before, that have been in a lot of these big-time games. Yeah, I, I think Arizona could benefit a little bit more from that. He is Connor O'Gara. Read all his great stories at Saturday Down South, Saturday Tradition. Follow him on Twitter at CJ O'Gara. And we talk to Connor every other week here on the program. So we'll talk to you in a couple weeks, Connor. Thank you so much. Gentlemen, sounds good. Appreciate it. Take care. This side of the program brought to you by the folks at East Memphis Ace Hardware Corner, White Station and Quince. That's where you'll find them. That's where you'll find everything you need for all those projects around the house, plus much, much more. And it's where you'll find a great staff to help you find exactly what it is you are looking for. And if for some odd reason they don't have exactly what you're looking for in store, it'd be it's very easy for them to get it for you, and they'll have it in in just a day or two and get that for you. So any projects you've got, go see the folks at East Memphis Ace Hardware. Of course, with the big green egg and all the grills, they've got that for you as well at East Memphis Ace Hardware. Check them out at the corner of White Station and Quince. Tigers basketball news from yesterday. If you missed it as far as the transfer portal is concerned, we'll talk about that. This is com- uh, That's coming up when we return. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Be sure to follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Memphis Tigers back in action tomorrow against Texas San Antonio. Tigers are 13-2, 2-0 in the conference, but their two conference wins coming in the final seconds on Javon Quinterly threes. 
hopefully for their sake, uh, it will be a little bit easier tomorrow. Although UTSA has an interesting team with a big front line. And Memphis's problem has been rebounding, especially giving up offensive rebounds. They got a big seven-footer. They got a guy at 6'10 that rebounds well. So that'll be tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. But yesterday there was news about Mikey Williams again and a statement from the University of Memphis. Because they've been pretty mum on the situation. But yesterday... Uh, the statement was, we can confirm Mikey Williams has chosen to enter the transfer portal. The university process for him to join the men's basketball program was underway, but Williams elected to explore his options at this time. Now, as most people know, Williams was still listed on the roster. He was reportedly taking online classes, but he had never practiced with the team, obviously never played with the team, and now he's exploring his options. J.J. Taylor was also reported yesterday by several outlets that he uh, also, and it's, it's almost like a package deal with Mikey Williams, that he has entered the transfer portal as well. Now, he was with Memphis, played in a couple of games. So Taylor in the portal, Mikey Williams in the portal, and still no word on Jordan Brown, <laughs> who has not been seen in Memphis uh, since the Fillmore administration. So that's the update on the Tigers roster. And the other news, of course, Caleb Mills is, I think, expected to undergo surgery today on the knee injury. And unfortunately, you have, as the Tigers and, and Grizzlies a lot of times mirror each other, you get a big injury with the Tigers with Caleb Mills going down and having surgery or going to have surgery. And then, of course, the horrible news with the Grizzlies and John Morant, who will also undergo the knife. Yeah, it's not exactly a surprise. Once with the J.J. Taylor situation and his suspension and all of that going on, not a real surprise that he's he's headed out. And if he's headed out, um, not a real surprise that Mikey Williams would also be looking at his his options as well. You know, there there may be a team out there that I don't know would be willing to let. Mikey come in right away? I have no idea. Um, but it's not, that certainly is not a surprise with the the limited amount of time that J.J. Taylor had gotten, plus the fact that he's been, what, suspended for the last, whatever, three games or whatever. Right, right. So, uh, plus his relationship with Mikey. So, like I said, they've always seemed like it's a package deal. There are rumors out there about schools that may be interested, programs that are interested in Mikey Williams. But I also don't know where he stands as far as all the community work he had to do the service the community service as mandated by the judge i I don't know where that stands if he's completed all the stuff he needs to complete because it's still right now one felony on his on on his record but it will be dropped to a misdemeanor once everything is completed in accordance with the judge so that is something that i don't know where we stand as far as that's concerned i i very much doubt that he is going to play for a team this year. Now, the question is whether or not he's going to be available for a college team next year, or is he going to try to go professionally and play somewhere? So the ball would be in his court once that felony charge is dropped to the misdemeanor. And I think where I read, not from the university, but from other people that said, I guess it's not out of the question that he could still decide to play for Memphis if they wanted him. So it's kind of a, a weird, kooky situation. It has been from the get-go with, with Mikey Williams. So, quick question. Sure. So with with Taylor's scholarship being available, in theory, could Penny go back in the transfer portal, get somebody for for the second half push? Theoretically, yes. I mean, if there was somebody out there that was available, and if they had – if they've played like if you've played the first semester with your with another team, I don't you can come in and play the second semester with a different team. Like Tomlin was available because he hadn't played at all with okay. Kansas State. Also depends on how many times you've transferred. Like there's a guy for UTSA who's playing now. He's in fact their leading scorer, but he missed the first I don't know what it was eight nine games of the year because he had transferred twice and wasn't eligible to play right away. So now he's playing for the team. Well, now you're now you, right now you are eligible. To, well, he even I, if you've transferred twice. I talked to the coach yesterday. He said he was on he was ineligible to play because well, no, he yeah, transferred until the court times. case happened. Now all the two time transfers can play. That's the whole point. That's why he's eligible now because that court case. Oh, that's right. It was just it was what a month ago, several weeks ago. Yeah, just right after or right right around Christmas. That's now. right. But to answer your question, yeah, I guess there there'd be an open scholarship. Although scholarships never seem to be the problem. 
especially if you have two sons on the team. I guess you can manipulate and things like that. But I, I don't know if, if anybody would be available and if they'd even want somebody at this time. Because right now, without Caleb Mills, you're losing probably your best perimeter defender. So who's going to step up? Who's going to get those minutes? By the way, with John Morant, uh, there hasn't been much yet as far as a response from Ja, although a couple of uh, tweets, one, the blue heart emoji, and then one, I don't know when this came out, Zach, maybe you saw it, uh, I guess this was last night, uh, damn dog, damn dog. Obviously, um, or did he trip over a dog and hurt his shoulder? No, I don't. I don't that think damn so. dog, damn dog, get that damn dog out of here. D a w g. So I don't know if it's we're talking about the animal, but um, no, it's obviously a guy who's. I mean, I, I can't imagine Ja right now. What's going through his mind? The guy just wants to play basketball. He hopefully all the crap is behind him. He gets back on the on the floor, and the team starts to play better. As you talked about, two out of three, two out of three, that was the number you need uh, if you were going to have a chance to be in the play-in. And that's where they were. Nine games, six and three with John Morant. And then the news comes down that all of a sudden he's out for the year. So he goes from being suspended. And you know that was obviously taxing psychologically on this young man. I know he did it to himself. I understand that. But then this injury comes, and now all of a sudden, again, where are you? Physically, you'll they'll fix it. But mentally, where are you? We did have a text from somebody asking if uh, does this injury give the Grizzlies an extra roster spot? Um, we'll we'll get into that uh, coming up. Uh, it, it theoretically could, but it would be a temporary thing. Pinnacle Roofing and Restoration for all your roofing and home repair needs. Call Brandon McCullough at 901-438-5084. They had some rain last night in Houston and they had a leak at the stadium at the arena where they played the national championship game not the arena but the stadium they had a leak with their roof so if they could have a leak man you certainly can have a leak with your a humble abode and if you have any problems and there's a lot of rain here and there will be some rain coming up as well uh, later today and that may be a major issue for you and if it is you need to nip it in the bud you need to call the experts. Pinnacle Roofing and Restoration is locally owned and operated. Brandon McCullough will give you a square deal. He will give you the opportunity to use financing if that's the way you want to go, like a 6, a 12, an 18-month same as cash option. They'll work with your insurance company. They'll work out of pocket. Whatever it takes, they're going to make it easy for you to get the job done. 901-438-5084 or online at newroofmemphis.com. They do residential and commercial roofing, so business owners, property managers, along with homeowners, if you have a roof issue. Call Brandon today. They'll come out and do a free roof inspection. They're licensed, bonded, and insured, and a member of the Better Business Bureau. Five-year labor warranty on the purchase of a new roof, and all their work is satisfaction guaranteed. They do carpentry work, exterior painting. They can replace gutters, install shingles, put up fencing, siding, rotten wood repair, whatever you can't do yourself. Call the experts at Pinnacle Roofing and Restoration. Quality work at a very good price. Again, it's Pinnacle Roofing and Restoration for all your roofing and home repair needs. 901-438-5084 online at newroofmemphis.com. We'll open up Hour 2 with Humdinger's Trivia. That's next. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.